worship tonight. Come on, put your hands together. Hi, I'm Sandra Buchanan, all the way in New York. I'm live iron sharpener. Welcome all my viewers on YouTube, Facebook, Vimeo, on all my podcasts. Viewer, welcome to Iron Sharpener. Glory to God. We have a great guest here. He's not a stranger. Dr. Board Certified Physician, Dr. Jeff Manka. Welcome to Iron Sharpener again. Glad to have you. Thank you. Good morning and welcome. How is your day going, sir? So far, I'm looking out of my window. I see the forsythia blooming, and the sun is shining, and the sky is beautiful, and the clouds are there. So there's a lot to be grateful for. Awesome. Um, today we're going to talk about nutrition and the factors that's responsible for good nutrition with diabetes and or hypertension. So what I want to ask, start off with is diabetes because it's so important. A lot of people are affected by type one, type two diabetes, borderline. So can you just give us an overview on? Well, you know, diabetes has been age old and goes back to antiquity uh, and has been around with humans for many thousands of years. Uh, it is a condition that has become increasingly prevalent in our society. Uh, and the reasons for that is not always completely understood, uh, but we are suff suffering an epidemic of diabetes in Western countries, uh, having to do primarily, it's believed, with lifestyle and genetics. Uh, and so those are concerns because Blood pressure is what's been called the silent killer. High blood pressure is a silent killer. Most people uh, do not know what their blood pressure is. They're not aware of a blood pressure issue until, unfortunately, uh, they succumb to some of the complications of high blood pressure, including stroke and uh, heart attack are the two more common issues, and a number of other uh, problems, uh, cognitive issues, brain issues, dementia, etc., may all be related to uh, a person's blood pressures. The blood pressure is made up of two numbers. The higher number, or systolic blood pressure, reflects the wave of pressure that's generated in the system of the arteries, which are the pipes that uh, generate, bring the blood to your various parts of your body. And the diastolic blood pressure is the pressure that's present in the system when uh, the heart is not pumping. So the systolic is when the heart pumps, the diastolic is when the heart doesn't pump. And there's been debate over years in the community of physicians, uh, cardiac surgeons, heart doctors, and physicians in general, which of the two numbers is the more important. And we get different uh, stories about this over time. It seems now that uh, the diastolic blood pressure seems to be the more important of the two, but as we get older, our arteries get stiffer, and as they get stiffer, the wave of pressure that's generated from the heart through the arterial system tends to elevate the blood pressure. So it's not uncommon for older people over 65 to have blood pressure, or the systolic pressure, to be higher. The normal blood pressure is defined as 120 for the systolic and less, and 80 for the diastolic or less. Uh, then blood pressure is defined basically on the degree to which the numbers are high. There's mild high blood pressure, medium high blood pressure, and high high blood pressure. And so you can debate those various numbers, and they are published in various literature. Uh, so the concept is, what can the average person do about their blood pressure? Well, the first thing is to know what their blood pressure is. And so when a patient goes to see the doctor or goes to a medical office, often their blood pressure is checked. This creates a certain degree of uncertainty because uh, the person generally is apprehensive about having their blood pressure checked. So then we get into the issue of the white coat phenomenon, which is that uh, the person is sitting there and their blood pressure is being checked by someone with a white coat, be it a allied health professional, a nurse, and or a doctor. And the question is whether or not that anxiety 
potentially present in many people is con uh, contributing to why a person's blood pressure may be what it is. So that's an issue in and of itself, the sound of one hand clapping. How do we know what the person's real blood pressure is? This has raised the concern uh, enough so that uh, one can buy a ambulatory blood pressure cuff. So you go to the uh, drugstore and you buy a cuff which monitors your blood pressure. Uh, at home when you're at rest and you're relatively comfortable and you're not under considerable anxiety, this is supposed to be the rock bottom uh, best way to check a person's blood pressure. Most people do not have an ambulatory blood pressure cuff. Uh, some of these um, particular equipment may not be the best. Uh, it should be calibrated, which it generally is not. So that's some issues with blood pressure in and of itself. How does it, who takes it? How is it taken? How is it measured? If you have a big arm and you put on a, a blood pressure cuff that's medium to small, it may artificially raise the blood pressure and then you're walking around uh, thinking that you have high blood pressure when in fact you don't. So in my practice, what I did from my training was to try to use a large cuff uh, on everybody so as to get what I thought to be the best and the most uh, basic blood pressure reading. So that's enough said about that. Then we get involved in factors that affect blood pressure, and there are many of them. We have nutrition, which is what we're supposed to talk to about today, genetics, race. Uh, certain races seem to have a greater preponderance of blood pressure issues than other races, ethnicities as well, and the diet is critical. And what's become increasingly evident uh, over work done within the last 10 years is the microbiome, which are the bacteria that live in your gut. And so for many, many years, uh, we did not know much about these bacteria. We still don't know much about them. There are trillions of them that live with us, bacteria, fungus, and virus. And what is the role of these particular microorganisms that live in our gut in terms of our health? So that's uh, a, at this point, currently a major area of interest in the scientific community to understand what the components of the microbiome are and what effects do they have on us and what effects do we have on them. So uh, regarding uh, nutritional issues, we have uh, what things in the diet may affect blood pressure uh, and also our lifestyle. Uh, how we sleep, what we eat. So all these things are, and our state of anxiety, stress, uh, the, the degree to which we're sleeping or not sleeping, all these things have an effect on blood pressure. Our genetics play a role in our blood pressure. So with respect to nutrition, uh, we start talking about what kind of foods do people eat uh, in terms of its effect on blood pressure. The most commonly known, uh, if you wish, factor that plays a role in blood pressure and concern about blood pressure is sodium, which is also known as salt, sodium chloride. And many, many foods in the American diet and in the Western diet are loaded with salt. Uh, this is salt that's added by the manufacturer in the production of the food. Now, some foods naturally uh, are sodium rich, such as example, seafood and fish. But a lot of foods are sodium neutral they're basically without any added salt. But then you have salt added to foods, such example, bread. Bread, almost all bread, has salt added to it. Crackers, snack food, uh, all of that uh, breakfast cereals. So those foods are loaded with salt. And uh, there is nutritional information on the package when you buy the food. Uh, and most people don't really know how to interpret that uh, nutritional information with respect to its effect on a person's blood pressure. That requires uh, someone to monitor uh, the amount of sodium in a particular serving. The serving size is described. Most people eat a lot more than one serving when they get, uh, when they eat their food. So you'd have to measure, if you wish, uh, how much sodium you're getting in the food that you eat. So sodium is a major contributor to blood pressure. Another factor is magnesium and potassium. These are two minerals that are found in food. And it turns out that food that's rich in potassium 
uh, is a good thing, and foods that are rich in magnesium are good things. And so potassium-rich foods, bananas, avocados, spinach, potatoes, oranges, sweet potatoes, uh, yogurt, uh, and raisins, melons, and salmon are some foods that are rich in, uh, in potassium. Broccoli, tomatoes, Swiss chard, prunes, baked potato, acorn squash, are, uh, and milk are foods that are rich in potassium. Uh, for foods that are rich in magnesium uh, include most of these foods. In addition, uh, beans and nuts, tofu and dark chocolate are foods that are rich in magnesium. So magnesium-rich foods and potassium-rich foods help to counteract the effects of sodium in the food. And so uh, we generally recommend that people try to eat foods that are rich in uh, potassium and magnesium. So uh, again, if you eat the food naturally, you generally will do well, but unfortunately, there's a lot of additives to the food. The effects of various preservatives on the food and its effect on the blood pressure is not well understood. And uh, there are a number of different additives to food to make it taste good. Uh, there are um, various substances that are added. Uh, for example, uh, natural flavors, which are chemicals that make the food taste the way you think it should taste. Uh, what effect these chemicals have on your blood pressure is not known. So that's an example of uh, the effect potentially of nutrition. Another effect is uh, the microbiome, the bacteria that live in your gut. Uh, so uh, studies have, have suggested as recently as 2021 uh, in the journal Hypertension, Yang et al., Yang being a, a medical uh, investigator at the University of Toledo in Toledo, Ohio, suggested that manipulating the bacteria in your gut may have an effect on your blood pressure. So we know that fermented foods such as yogurt, kefir, kimchi, and uh, tofu, as well as um, uh, kefir have an effect uh, because they are loaded with bacteria that you're putting these in your body and eating these bacteria may have a positive effect on the bacteria that live in your gut. And so we are at this point trying to explore the effect of these microbiomes on our body and our blood pressure. Um, so that's some information about blood pressure. Also, of course, is your weight. The heavier you are, the more likely you are to have high blood pressure. Losing weight and watching sodium are two of the principal things that doctors recommend to patients to get their blood pressure down. So a weight loss of as little as 5% may drop your blood pressure at one or two points systolically, and that's obviously a benefit. So I don't know if that gives you some uh, answers to your question about the role of nutrition in blood pressure. Again, uh, additives to the food, uh, which a lot of us don't know, you know, there's a book called Sugar, Fat, and Salt, and the food industry, which is quite uh, a significant issue in American culture, plays a role because most people eat packaged foods, and packaged foods have additives to them to make the foods taste good, so to speak. So chips, snacks, etc., are things that people buy, and the food industry uh, is has a number of consultants that are hired to try to make the food taste good, so to speak, or make it somewhat addictive. So you eat one potato chip and you want more. You eat one corn chip, you want more. You eat a cookie uh, or Oreo or uh, a chocolate chip cookie, you want more. And there's a whole industry in the food industry, a whole science in the food industry, a food science. Uh, and unfortunately, a lot of this food science is not in the best interest of the patient. It's in the best interest of the pockets of the, the food manufacturers, because the more stuff you eat, the more money you spend on the foods that they produce. So uh, obviously you have to become an informed consumer, and that's critical. Uh, so that's important. Excuse me just a second. Uh, so anyway, uh, these are some of the issues that are relevant to the effect of nutrition on the blood pressure. Then we 
get involved with diabetes. Do you want me to go on to the diabetes? I do have a question for you. So you mentioned foods that are high, rich in potassium um, that will counteract the hypertension. What if you can't, an elderly person can't get these type of food? What will happen? Well, I don't think anybody really knows that. I mean, there's a, the body uh, is an example of exquisite balance between good things and not good things. So I mean, let me clarify. Cook. The person cannot be able, won't be able to cook. So is there any supplements? I'm sure um, there are supplements, can, I, potassium I, supplements. There are potassium supplements. There's right. chloride. Uh, they're very, that's the most common one. And you can buy potassium, but the problem is with potassium that you don't want to overdo it because uh, if your potassium is too high, that may have a negative impact on your health, particularly on your heart. High potassium levels are associated with problems with the electrocardiogram and your cardiac function. So you'd need to have your potassium levels checked when you uh, have your blood drawn. But uh, I think most of the foods that I've mentioned are generally are available. Uh, to most individuals, no matter how poor or rich they are, uh, they obviously need to eat food. So, Right. So, I mean, income is a factor, too, if they can afford these type of food. So, Well, um, I mean, you know, the foods I listed, bananas, avocados, spinach, potatoes, oranges, sweet potatoes, yogurt, um, beans, uh, Swiss chard, melon, salmon, these are not uh, foods that are necessarily costly uh, salmon may be costly if you uh, because it's a fish and fish is expensive avocados may be expensive bananas are not spinach is not regular sweet potatoes are not these are foods that most people can afford to buy right so we just have to substitute for the ones we can afford yes I mean uh, as I said my own personal feeling as a physician practicing for close to 40 years, is people are inherently lazy. They don't want to do very much for their health unless, God forbid, they get sick or something happens or their a family member gets sick. Right. Then they suddenly become aware of and concerned about their health. Uh, uh, so uh, someone who has high blood pressure gets concerned about a stroke uh, right. or uh, a heart attack, uh, and then they may go to the doctor or they may buy a blood pressure cuff and check their blood pressure at home. Uh, sleep, for example, if you don't sleep well, and many people have trouble sleeping, getting to sleep or staying asleep, sleep apnea, all these effects will affect your blood pressure. So um, there are many things a person can and should do to check uh, their overall health with respect to their blood pressure. But uh, again, when you go to the doctor, how many doctors spend the time to go over these issues with the patient when they only have a 15-minute interaction with the patient? It's, it's impossible, yeah. Well, it's difficult because many doctors do not spend time going over lifestyle issues with patients. They make assumptions, and the patients are kind of apprehensive. They don't want to necessarily be in front of the doctor. They may not ask the questions they should be. I always recommend to bring a list of your questions before you go to see the doctor so that you don't forget because people get nervous, anxious, they're uh, twiddling their fingers when they're there, they're sweating, etc. And they don't, and the doctor's presence is somewhat intimidating for That's many true. people. That's yeah. true. So maybe the doctor has to reach out to the patient and make the patient feel comfortable. So usually it takes multiple visits to the doctor for the doctor to know the patient and for the patient to know the doctor in order to move ahead. How many sleeps would you say a person, you mentioned nutrition, and you mentioned sleep, it affects your um, sleep deprivation. Well, we, we, we know we- It's in your, your, hyper, your high blood pressure. Well, we so know, how much sleep do you recommend a person should get? Well, they rec the, 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 the experts recommend a minimum of seven hours of sleep. And that's, of course, continuous sleep. But as most America, most people uh, wake up, uh, they may have to go to the bathroom. Uh, they may be interrupted for various reasons, levels of comfort, back pain, joint pains, etc. So when you're a baby and you lie down 
you generally sleep uh, uninterrupted for most of the night. But then as we get older, there are many factors that affect and impact on our ability to get a full night's rest, as you well know, and that is a problem. If you were to, um, if you were to interrogate people about their sleep pattern, patterns, uh, you will find invariably a number of people have troubles with their, with their ability to stay asleep or fall asleep, uh, and that's an issue. So sleep has an impact on your blood pressure. If you don't sleep well, your blood pressure generally tends to go up. If you have sleep apnea, a condition characterized by uh, having periods where you stop breathing uh, or your breathing abilities are less than they ought to be, that's going to have an effect on your blood pressure and effect on your weight. We know that uh, the human body, like other organisms, have certain natural rhythms that are present, a biological clock that's within our body that helps guide uh, when we get up, when we go to sleep, etc. And these biological rhythms uh, will be interrupted by various factors, and sleep deprivation will have an effect on your biological rhythm. We know that because if you don't sleep, uh, you get up often uh, and you don't feel well emotionally, spiritually, mentally, and physically. So sleep deprivation is not a good thing for blood pressure, and sleep apnea is not good. And many, many people have sleep apnea. We know that sleep apnea uh, is worse uh, if a person's overweight. So there's a lot of overweight people. Uh, it's believed that at least 75% uh, of Americans are either overweight or obese. Uh, the difference being the body mass index or BMI. Anything between 20 to 25% is considered to be overweight and over 30% is considered to be obese. And so uh, obesity remains one of the biggest issues in American and Western culture. And more and more people are becoming more and more overweight. So as your weight goes up, your blood pressure goes up. As your weight goes up, your tendencies toward uh, sleep apnea goes up. Uh, so as I'm simply trying to mention, this is all interrelated. Uh, Everything is related to everything else with respect to the body, the micro, uh, all these different things are factors and uh, human beings are complex creatures and science attempts to, if you wish, dissect and figure out the various factors that are involved in a person's uh, overall well-being. Awesome. Um, also, I want to ask, sometimes I get four hours because I'm up working on projects and stuff like that. And I tend to want to eat during those time when I'm up. So what do you recommend? What would you have to say recommend? What, what, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Where you're up during the night, you're up daytime and you're not eating much. That's a very complex question and it's a very difficult question. It's a good question. And a lot of people wake up uh, and they're hungry. Uh, they're yeah. hungry because they're bored, anxious, apprehensive, fearful. And so uh, the refrigerator and or the cupboards is a source of refuge. Food is a source of comfort. So, uh, and, and the food industry knows that. That's why uh, the food industry specializes in giving you food that is going to make you relaxed and make you comfortable. And uh, so you, you eat food that not, not, isn't necessarily good for you. Uh, relaxes you emotionally and most people are not aware of this food science but it's out there in, in laboratories throughout the world and particularly in the United States where the major manufacturers Pillsbury General Foods General Mills uh, are working with food science people to develop means to get foods into people that give them relaxation uh, and now those foods are not necessarily good foods for you so it's a complex question. Meditation is a good thing. So you uh, turn off your lights, you close your eyes, and you try to concentrate on positive thinking and deep breathing. Uh, that helps. Yoga, Tai Chi help. Uh, and trying to, uh, if you wish, control your uh, urges and saying, no, I'm not going to eat that. Uh, even though the tendency is there, no, I'm going to say no. Or we could eat um, fruits. How about uh, fruits? Well, you know, fruit is fruit is okay, but 
uh, you know, fruit and vegetables are good, but most people are not. Salad, going to, yeah. No, most people are not going to wake up in the middle of the night if they're hungry and sit down and eat a salad. Uh, they might eat a banana, etc., uh, because people like the sweet tooth. Uh, mm. In our society, the sweet tooth plays a major role, as I've just said, in food science. So food science is trying to find foods that people like. And what's the major food that people like? Sweets. Uh, so that's a big issue. Uh, there's a whole industry of artificially sweetened foods. Stevia uh, is an example. And other artificially sweetened foods um, that are out there, an attempt to give person, satisfy their sweet tooth and not necessarily raise their calories. And so there are many artificially sweetened foods that are available to try to give you a satisfaction of your sweet tooth and not necessarily do you any harm. Many types of yogurts like that. Uh, but again, a lot of canned fruits and vegetables, canned fruits, uh, packaged fruits are not good for you. Frozen fruit should not have added sugar. And all of these uh, particular foods uh, should have labels associated with them if they're packaged. Fruits and vegetables are not packaged if they, unless they come with a plastic wrapping. So you, you can and sometimes get nutritional information about a certain food. But uh, a lot of fruits and vegetables that you buy at a produce department in a, in a supermarket don't have any uh, nutritional uh, information. You have to go on the internet or on books and magazines to try to find out more about the uh, nutritional value of the foods that you're eating. But packaged foods uh, do require, by the FDA, some information about the food. Awesome. We are going to take a, a few minutes break now on Iron Sharpener. Um, thank you, Dr. Mankash. We'll be right back after this yeah. commercial break. Yeah, I'm going to be going out for a minute. I, so I'll be back in a minute. Okay. There's a few businesses I want to announce. If you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area and you need an automobile, a used automobile, you want to contact GMD Auto, Auto Mart. GMD Auto Mart. And the number is 678-751-1431. 678-751-1431. GMD Auto Mart. Used cars are available. Glory to God. If you are in the upstate New York area and you're looking for properties, you want to connect with Wynn Morrison Realty all the way in Catskill, New York. And you want to connect me, Sandra Buchanan, 518-267-9181. 518-267-9181. If you want to buy land to build new projects, if you want to sell your property, you want to buy commercial multi-units, if you want to buy storage units, whatever way you want to invest now is the time it is a seller's market glory to god so i would be your agent upstate new york downstate new york glory to god you want to connect also if you're in the upstate new york area and you need a seamstress you want to connect with leela smith she does dressmaking tailoring seamstress you alter men and women clothing she also do um custom made if you need have fabric you want to make a fresh outfit she does that if you're out of state you could ship your measurements and the fabric to her she will get it done her name is lila smith and her number is 518-653-0600 again 518-653-0600 if you're looking for a caterer for caribbean dishes you want to connect with Caribbean Kitchen. And the number is 518-653-3764. 518-653-3764. Caribbean Kitchen. She does catering if you're having a party or an event and you need some delicious Caribbean meals. You want to connect with Margaret Ryman at Caribbean Kitchen. If you need your car to be detailing, like brand new, you want to connect with Dorian Ryman and Auto Rhyme Car Detailing. 
Auto Rhyme Card Detailing, and his number is 518-653-3764. If you need a tax preparer, it's tax time. You want to connect with Celia Graham in Hudson, New York, and her number is 518-821-5164. Again, 518-821-5164. Celia Graham Tax Preparer. Glory to God. If you're looking for a home church to go to in the Hudson, upstate New York area, you don't have a place where you go for fellowship, you can fellowship with us at All Nations Church, Hudson, New York. It's at 389 Fairview Avenue, Hudson, New York. 389 Fairview Avenue, Hudson, New York. And it's right in the Bagel Time Plaza on Fairview Avenue. Our worship time is 3 p.m. every Sunday. 3 p.m. every Sunday. And we have a Bible studies every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And we also have Bible studies every Thursday night at 7 p.m. So come and fellowship with us at All Nations Church. It is glorious. Glory to God. If you are in the Hudson, New York area and you're looking for a day spa, Serenity Wellness Center Day Spa, a spa like no other. Serenity Wellness Day Spa is also mobile. We could come to you for spa parties. You may be looking for a gift to buy a loved one, a friend, a mother, father, a whoever it is we sell gift certificates they're on sale for father's day for mother's day for easter for every occasion gift certificates are online at serenity wellness center day spa.com again serenity wellness center day spa.com a spa like no other it's in hudson new york glory to god and the website is www.serenitywellnesscenterdayspa.com Hi, welcome back to Iron Sharpener. For those who are on this broadcast and you're interested in advertising your businesses, connect with us at ironsharpener21 at gmail.com. If you'd like to advertise an event on our broadcast, you can email us, ironsharpener21 at gmail.com. We'll go right back to Dr. Mankosh. Dr. Mankosh, are you with us? Yes, I am. Sitting okay. down. Okay. Hi. Here I am. Okay, so can you tell us more Hi. about nutrition? You want to move down to diabetes? Okay, well, I, I, I would like to say, first of all, that uh, another culprit uh, in um, blood pressure is alcohol. So the more you drink and the more often you drink, the greater the risk that you will have high blood pressure is present. And that's an important factor, something that many, many people are not aware of and also are not asked about when they go to the doctor. So the doctor may check their blood pressure and may or may not ask them questions about their lifestyle, their diet, obviously their weight is there. But alcohol is a major factor in blood pressure elevation. And once is it you, because of the sweetness, the no, sugar? It has to do probably with the chemical nature of the alcohol itself. So even though alcohol is supposed to, quote, relax you, quotes, it does play a role in affecting the tone of your blood vessels. Remember that uh, your body is made up of arteries and veins. The heart pumps the blood through your arteries and the blood returns to the heart through the veins. So in high blood pressure, the system of pressure that's present in the arterial tree, like the roots of a tree, is elevated. And that elevation in the blood, in the pressure, uh, has an effect on the organs uh, and on the tissues that depend on that blood flow to, to nourish them. So if the blood pressure goes up, then this creates excessive pressure on the walls of the arteries and is a factor that plays a role in the development of atherosclerosis, hardening of the arteries. So one of the factors that plays a role in that is alcohol. And many people will say, well, I have a beer once in a while. 
And I'm not necessarily saying that an occasional consumption of alcohol is going to lead to high blood pressure, but if a person drinks every day uh, and has a couple of glasses of wine or beer, it does have an effect on blood pressure, and that has to be individually determined by the patient and the doctor in a relationship they have together to determine whether or not in a given person the effect, the role of alcohol in that person's health. But you should be, one should be aware that alcohol does affect blood pressure, just like weight, the degree of sleep, et cetera. So all these affect the body is a uh, complex organism and many different factors play a role. And science attempts to isolate individual factors and try to understand them, uh, but it's actually a big soup or a stew of all these factors uh, intermingling with each other. And again, the bacteria that live in your gut, which most medical science doesn't pay attention to. But in my practice, as I continued to practice medicine, it became apparent to me that you are what you eat. And in fact, if you um, don't know what the bacteria are that are in your gut, uh, you're ignorant. But most people are ignorant because it's not easy to determine uh, these bacteria. You can have your poop analyzed by special companies and they can give you a list of the bacteria that's in your stool, but that doesn't necessarily tell you very much. So the effect of diet, lifestyle, and foods on the bacteria that live in your gut and their effect on you is a science that's being increasingly studied. So let's move on. What's your, uh, let's go on to the next issue, please. Okay. Before I do that, excuse me, can you just pull your um, laptop closer because your head is a little cut off? The, your head is a little cut off in the in the in the screen so I don't, you, I don't see me on on the screen here that's what i'm saying can I you please see. can you put him back on the screen yes okay. see bring your no bring your laptop closer your the bring it well it's actual it's actually a de it's a desktop it's a desktop okay yeah. So I guess we have we can't control that, right? Okay, so um, nutrition with diabetes. I want you to just cover well, broad. Diabetes is a basically elevated blood sugar. The normal blood sugar used to be a hundred or less, but with time, because I don't know why, but the elevation blood sugar is now considered to be normal up to one hundred and thirty. So if you have one hundred and thirty blood sugar fasting or less than you are non-diabetic. There's pre-diabetes, which would probably be a blood, uh, blood sugar, uh, I would say between 130 to 150, and anything over 150 would be considered to be uh, diabetes. Uh, your blood sugar is affected by many things, including uh, when you eat, what you eat, when you eat, uh, have an effect on your blood sugar. Uh, we know that uh, if you eat food at a given time, your sugar is going to go up because most food that people eat contains carbohydrates in them. So if you eat a steak, for example, which is pure protein, uh, uh, your blood sugar should not go up. Uh, but if you eat a banana or you have a piece of candy or you have a glass of milk, uh, these foods have sugars in them. So your blood sugar will go up. And the way the body works is once you consume sugar, uh, then it go, it's processed through your gut. The sugar gets absorbed uh, in your intestines. And when your sugar goes up, there's a this causes the release of insulin, a hormone which is made in your pancreas. The insulin is released, and then the insulin plays a role in moving the sugar away from your bloodstream into surrounding tissues like the muscles, the liver, etc. So in diabetes, you start off with a sugar that's above normal, uh, and then uh, it continues to go up. It gets to a certain high point, and then it comes down. In diabetes, the blood sugar to begin with is high, and after you've eaten certain foods, it stays high for a longer time than normal, and eventually it comes down somewhat. Uh, and so most people are not aware of their blood sugar. Uh, they're not aware when their blood sugar is high or low. They don't feel anything. It's uh, blood sugar elevations are not generally associated with any symptoms unless it's they're dangerously high, uh, let's say a blood sugar over 500. 
or a blood sugar less than 50 may give you symptoms. A low blood sugar may make you sweaty, and make you feel like you're going to pass out, and may cause you uh, those type of symptoms. Elevated blood sugar may make you very thirsty, and may make you have problems with your cause confusion, may affect your eyesight. So uh, those are extremes, but the average person with a blood sugar of anywhere between uh, 80 to 200 uh, doesn't feel anything. Uh, that's the way it is. So uh, diabetics generally are supposed to check their blood sugar, and there are monitors which involve sampling your blood, usually by sticking your finger and getting a sample of blood, which you then uh, measure with special equipment uh, usually little tags or, or sticks that have chemicals in them that interact uh, and a meter gives you a blood sugar reading and that's basically it. So uh, the glycohemoglobin or hemoglobin A1C measures the uh, effect or the attachment of sugar to hemoglobin which is a pigment in our red blood cells and over the last probably 50 years if not more it was determined that the hemoglobin A1C, which is the measure of the attachment of sugar to hemoglobin, is an important determinant in your overall health. So hemoglobin A1C normally should be 5.9% or less, which means that 5.9% of your hemoglobin is attached, attached to sugar. As, you are, as your diabetes uh, is increasingly worsened, your hemoglobin A1C will go up. So a hemoglobin A1C of 10% is not good. Uh, many people's hemoglobin A1C vary between the low of 5.9%, which is normal, uh, and may go into the 6.5%, range. And then the doctor sits down with the patient and reviews their hemoglobin A1C. And the idea is to try to get the hemoglobin A1C back down toward 5.9% or less. So that's that issue. Uh, type 1 diabetes is insulin dependent. So in these individuals, uh, there is not enough insulin being made. It's believed to be an autoimmune disease. It's often present in juveniles and young people. It can occasionally occur in adults, but most type 1 diabetes is an autoimmune disease uh, genetically based in many people, characterized by elevated blood sugar, due to a lack of insulin. But most diabetics are type 2 diabetics, which are people who have problems with their insulin. Not that they don't make enough, but the insulin they make is not working well, kind of like a lock and a, tr a key. You put the key into the lock, you turn the key, and you hope that the lock will open. Well, in, diabe in diabetes uh, type 2, the insulin is not working well. And one of the major contributors to, if you wish, uh, insulin not working well is obesity. So the heavier you are and the more weight you have above and beyond normal, the less the insulin will work. So most insulin, non-insulin dependent diabetics type 2 have not only, they have enough insulin, they have too much insulin. Uh, but the insulin is not working well because uh, a, a rusty lock and a key, it's not opening the door to get the sugar out. And so uh, type 2 diabetes is the most common diabetes, particularly in, in Western countries. And because of the, the lifestyle that America has exported to the world of various countries uh, in the world with fast food restaurants, of fast food exposure, snacks, processed foods are exposed to elevation in carbohydrate, patients' weight goes up, and diabetes increases. So there is a correlation between weight and diabetes. The heavier people are, the more likely they are to be diabetic. And we have an epidemic of obesity and diabetes throughout the world, and it's not going away, it's getting worse. Even in countries such as Africa, Mexico, Latin America, where people are generally thinner, and those uh, issues of diabetes and high blood, uh, and high blood pressure uh, were not that big a problem. Even in those countries with time, the consumption of sweetened sodas, alcohol, processed foods, which have been exported by the, quotes American lifestyle, 
uh, or the Western lifestyle has resulted in an explosion of weight issues and uh, issues that have to do with diabetes, poor control of diabetes, and as a result, uh, because diabetes is not well controlled, uh, diabetes is a disease that affects your blood vessels. So the major killer in diabetes is that elevation in blood sugar damages the blood vessels, which causes an increased risk of a heart attack, a stroke, and kidney disease, and poor circulation to your legs or feet with amputations. So the, the danger of diabetes is not the blood sugar itself, it's the effect of the elevation of blood sugar on your overall circulation. And the circulation are the arteries that bring the blood and the veins. So the arteries bring the blood to various organs and the veins take the blood away. So as your blood sugar goes up further and further for longer periods of time, this has a negative impact on the arterial flow throughout your body. And so many diabetics have poor circulation issues. Wow, a lot of great information. Well, again, the, the diabetes is a disease that is best treated by the patient individually. So medication is one thing, but lifestyle is most important. If you want to stay well, you need to control your diet and your weight, and of course your microbiome, bacteria that live in your gut. And so uh, diabetes is a disease that's best handled by a person in their own home. That is where, that's the, the proving ground. Uh, taking lots of pills and insulin shots play a role, but uh, again, what are you eating? How much exercise are you doing? We know that exercise lowers blood sugar. So if you go out for a walk every day, for a half a mile, a quarter mile, half a mile, the little, even the smallest amount of exercise has a beneficial effect on the human being. And so we know that to be the case, and the more exercise you do, the lower your hemoglobin A1C, the lower your blood sugar will be, and it's a win-win situation. So we encourage people to go out and exercise, but many people don't exercise, they're lazy, they don't wanna get up, they have aches and pains, they have anxiety, stresses, etc. And so many people do not do any physical or aerobic exercise. As a result, uh, this compounds their diabetes issue, their blood, blood sugar stays up, and with that are all of the impacts of elevated blood sugar, as I've said, primarily on your blood vessels in your body. Increased risk of stroke, heart attack, uh, kidney disease, amputations are the major effect of diabetes on the human being. And so many people in the world, both present now and historically in the past, have suffered because of diabetes. So it, it's important that the person understands what diabetes is and their lifestyle and what they can do to lower their blood sugar, which is an important effect. It, it's been a debate for many years about whether or not the complications of diabetes were due to the elevation of blood sugar. Some doctors said, no, it has nothing to do, uh, amputations, kidney disease, heart attack or stroke have nothing to do with your uh, blood sugar. And another group of doctors said, oh yes, they do. And those doctors who saw a correlation between blood sugar elevation and complications of diabetes turned out to be right. Uh, and so that's why uh, doctors, nurses, and uh, health professionals tell patients to watch their sugar, control their sugar, and do what's necessary. So diet, what do you eat? And the level of exercise that you do, a levels of anxiety, agitation, will affect your blood pressure and affect your blood sugar. And so it's a complex stew, as I've said to you, and uh, it's necessary for the patient and the doctor to enter a relationship where those things are understood and are interrelated, and that the, it's not one thing separated from the other. You have to separate it in order to be able to deal with it, but you do have to see it in terms of the whole, the human being as a whole. Uh, I hope that gives you some. Yes. So if someone takes their blood sugar every day and it runs between 140, 150, what do you think they should do about that? Again, the, the thing would be, first of all, the first thing is their diet. What are they eating? Uh, that's one thing you'd want to know. Um, what kind of foods are they eating? Uh, when was the blood sugar checked? Right. Checked 
at fasting when it should be? Was it checked an hour or two after eating? Uh, because if you have your blood sugar checked an hour after you have crackers and cheese, your cra uh, your blood sugar will go high. Because the crackers have carbohydrates in them. Right. So again, if so you before okay, so fasting, nothing. You ate nothing. You run in with to above one thirty to one fifty varies, but it always stops there at fasting level. The person should always watch what they're eating and change their diet. Yes, it's easier said than done because people are creatures of habit. Everybody has a level of comfort. Uh, this is what comfort, what's called comfort food. For example, macaroni and cheese is a comfort food, right? Uh, a lot of people, they're hungry, they'll sit down, they'll have a bowl of macaroni and cheese. Uh, that's uh, food that's not necessarily in your best interest. Then we get involved with wheat and glutens and whether or not a person should have whole wheat macaroni or regular macaroni. What's the effect of carbohydrates uh, in their form on blood sugar? So if you eat whole wheat bread or whole wheat macaroni, uh, it's believed that it will cause your sugar to go up, but not as high as if you eat white bread or white macaroni. So that's a role, again, the nature of the carbohydrates. We know that lentils and beans are carbohydrates too, yes. but they are complex carbohydrates. So when you eat them, their effect on blood sugar is not immediate. It's gradually slower. And that's believed to be better because if, you're, if you eat these foods and your uh, appetite is less strong because they fill you up fuller and you're not as hungry, that's a good thing. And so it's best to try to eat foods that are rich in fiber. Fiber affects the way, rate, rate at which your gut empties, and, and that affects your brain. Uh, so there's a relationship between your brain and your gut, uh, and hunger uh, is an important part of that. Amen. Very powerful information. Thank you so much, Dr. Minecraft. Well, is last, there any... The last thing I will say is, again, you are what you eat. And you do have control over your body. So the idea that a person has no control over anything and that they're just the product of the environment is not completely true. You do have an impact on your health, and that's very important. You have to take charge of, how you, of, of your health. You may not have complete control, and there are factors outside of your voluntary and conscious uh, awareness, but you do have a role. And if you take action and interest in what you're eating and how you're sleeping and the kind of foods that you consume and the level of exercise that will have a benefit on you but you have to be willing to take control of that and take charge and many patients are not active patients they want the doctor or the nurse to do things for them or their family and they don't want to take control obviously if you're mentally incapacitated that's different but if you're fully aware of what the situation is and you continue to live an unhealthy lifestyle, you will pay the price. You may not pay it today, but eventually you'll pay the price. Just like rust on a car. If the car is out there and it's not well taken care of, rust will happen to the car. The rust will eat away at the car and the car will not function well. So maintenance of the car is important and maintenance of our health is important and we have to take control over our health and right now in this country, the major control is controlling our weight because that is a big issue. Go into any supermarket or any store and look at the people around and look at their weight and watch the way they're walking. A lot of people who are young to middle-aged are sitting on various mobile devices because they can't stand because of mobility issues. That's not good. You know, we should be up walking around as opposed to sitting on wheelchairs and other mobile devices. Obviously, uh, it's best to try to remain active and to take good care of ourselves. Uh, we have one body, and we have to cherish that body, and we have to take charge of our own health. I agree. Thank you so much, Dr. Mankas, um, for today's show. Before we end, can you briefly tell us about your jazz shows? Well, uh, I've done a program uh, for uh, 
at the Clavick Library called The Jazz I Saw. Uh, this is a program of photos that I have collected over 35 to 40 years that were in my office at Columbia Memorial Hospital and in uh, my private office prior, prior to being a hospital employee where I showed pictures of jazz musicians whom I've come to appreciate over years and people would look at these patients, staff, and they would admire them. So after I retired in October 2020, I decided to uh, take these pictures and find a place to show them. And the Clavick Library in Clavick, New York, agreed to uh, show these photographs. And we named the show The Jazz I Saw. And there are 40 photographs, black and white, impeccably framed, that are at the Clavick Library. The show runs until um, uh, May the 7th. It's open every day. There are hours. It's not open on Sunday, but other days of the week it's open. If you go to www.clavicklibrary.org, you can get the hours of operation uh, for the program. There's a promo that Lance Wheeler did uh, from Channel 11 News about the program called, on a program called Neighbors. And you can watch me in front of these pictures. These pictures show the uh, portraits of a number of jazz artists that I have come to appreciate and love. Jazz is a beautiful art form. It informs the soul and the mind. It's spiritually remarkable, and it teaches people about themselves and the beauty of life for all people. And uh, jazz musicians are extraordinarily creative people and have created a beautiful music, America's gift to the world, America's classical music, around for over 100 years, and I recommend the show to everybody. It's a beautiful show that shows these beautiful photographs in a very elegant way, and we encourage people to come. This coming Saturday, uh, this coming Sunday, we already have what looks like a sold-out crowd for a concert with Armand O'Neillian, the pianist, Jay uh, Anderson, the bassist, and Dennis Mackerel, the drummer, uh, at 4 o'clock this coming Monday, April 24th, uh, as a program uh, that's part of this uh, jazz show called The Jazz I Saw. The Jazz I Saw program will end on May the 7th. I encourage people to come and see the show, particularly young people, to appreciate the legacy, the history, and the beauty of these musicians uh, and the photographers who took the pictures. It's a remarkable program. I'm very proud of it. I had a number of people help me, including my family, my wife, my children, and the staff at the Clavick Library, uh, all of whom played a major role in putting the show together. It's really worth seeing. Uh, you will never see anything like it again, uh, and I recommend it highly. Is it only on Mondays, Dr. Mankash, your show? Is oh, the show is open every day. The only day it's not open is Sunday, but the hours are different. So on Monday, Wednesday, uh, the show, uh, the library is open from 12 to 7, Tuesday and Thursday from 10 to 3, Friday today, 12 to 5, and Saturday from 10 in the morning until 2 in the afternoon. You can get all those hours if you go on the computer and look at www.clavicklibrary.org. And the Clavick Library is at the intersection of Route 9H and 23 in Clavick, New York, which is ne right next to Hudson. I encourage people to come. You will get something out of it. It's beautiful to see pictures of these remarkable jazz artists, men and women, uh, and the instruments they play and the music they created. It will enrich your soul. Please, if you do have a... We would actually absolutely play your promo on this broadcast, Dr. Mancas. I personally oh. went to the library and I saw all the paintings of these wonderful uh, musicians. And he gave me a tour. It was really absolutely wonderful. I enjoyed it. Well, thank you very much. And I am so glad that you came. Uh, it meant a lot to me. You brought some young people with you. And it's very important that young people see this because uh, this is the legacy of the future. This is the culture, the history of our culture. And we need young people to appreciate that as they get older and they learn about the history of the culture of their own society.
Awesome. Okay, thank you so much, Dr. Mankas. For those who are listening on Iron Sharpener, we just had a one-hour interview with board-certified physician, upstate New York, Dr. Jeff Mankas, gastroenterologist. And today we just go through the surface with the nutrition and the effects good nutrition have on your body when it comes to illnesses such as hypertension, high blood pressure, and diabetes. So it was very powerful and impactful. And he will be back next Thursday to go in depth more with nutrition on the, the human body. So thank you so much. And um, we will be back with a commercial break. Thank, thank you so much, doctor. You're welcome. Thank you very much, Sandy. Sandra, have a good day. Take have a good day. Bye. Here's a few business I want to announce. If you're in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and you need an automobile, a used automobile, you want to contact GMD Auto, Automart. GMD Automart. And the number is 678-751-1431. 678-751-1431. GMD Automart. Used cars are available. Glory to God. If you are in the upstate New York area and you're looking for properties, you want to connect with Wynn Morrison Realty all the way in Catskill, New York. And you want to connect me, Sandra Buchanan, 518-267-9181. 518-267-9181. If you want to buy land to build new projects, if you want to sell your property, you want to buy commercial multi-units, if you want to buy storage units, whatever way you want to invest. Now is the time. It is a seller's market. Glory to God. So I will be your agent. Upstate New York, downstate New York. Glory to God. You want to connect. Also, if you're in the upstate New York area and you need a seamstress, you want to connect with Leela Smith. She does dressmaking, tailoring, seamstress, she alter men and women clothing. She also do um, custom made. If you need have fabric, you want to make a fresh outfit. She does that. If you're out of state, you could ship your measurements and the fabric to her. She will get it done. Her name is Lila Smith and her number is 518-653-0600. 518-653-0600. Again, 518-653-0600. If you're looking for a caterer for Caribbean dishes, you want to connect with Caribbean Kitchen. And the number is 518-653-3764. 518-653-3764. Caribbean Kitchen. She does catering if you're having a party or an event and you need some delicious Caribbean meals, you want to connect with Margaret Ryman at Caribbean Kitchen. If you need your car to be detailing, like brand new, you want to connect with Dorian Ryman at Auto Rhyme Car Detailing. Auto Rhyme Car Detailing and his number is 518-653-3764. If you need a tax preparer, it's tax time. You want to connect with Celia Graham in Hudson, New York, and her number is 518-821-5164. Again, 518-821-5164. Celia Graham, tax preparer. Glory to God. If you're looking for a home church to go to in the Hudson, upstate New York area, you don't have a place where you go for fellowship. You can fellowship with us at All Nations Church, Hudson, New York. It's at 389 Fairview Avenue, Hudson, New York. 389 Fairview Avenue, Hudson, New York. And it's right in the Bagel Time Plaza on Fairview Avenue. Our worship time is 3 p.m. every Sunday. 3 p.m. every Sunday. And we have a Bible studies every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. And we also have Bible studies every Thursday night at 7 p.m. So come and fellowship with us at All Nations Church. It is glorious. Glory to God. 
If you are in the Hudson, New York area and you're looking for a day spa, Serenity Wellness Center Day Spa, a spa like no other, Serenity Wellness Day Spa is also mobile. We could come to you for spa parties. You may be looking for a gift to buy a loved one, a friend, a mother, father, a, whoever it is. We sell gift certificates. They're on sale for Father's Day, for Mother's Day, for Easter, for every occasion. Gift certificates are online at serenitywellnesscenterdayspa.com. Again, serenitywellnesscenterdayspa.com. A spa like no other. It's in Hudson, New York. Glory to God. And the website is www.serenitywellnesscenterdayspa.com. Glory to God. Thank you so much for joining Iron Sharpener. Stay tuned. We will be live tomorrow at 12 noon for another show. Have a great day. Hello.